Jackson Elias, a podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror movies, and horror gaming in general. And this evening we are going to be focusing on the five scariest movies of all time. Subjectively. As I say, three different lists thereof. <laughs> yeah, so we've so, so fifteen or <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, we've each uh, sat down and come up with five scary movies. Um, and maybe we should just each say a little bit about how we came up with our list because we don't know what's on each other's lists. So, um, how did you come up with yours, Scott? Well, the way I did it was I, I thought about categories. Um, I thought about the things. Well, to give a bit of background, I mean, I've, I've been watching horror films, you know, almost non-stop for the last forty odd years, uh, ever since I was a kid. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of horror films. I've become pretty inured to jump scares, uh, creepy music, uh, dark shadows, gore, blood. Um, so horror films on the whole, uh, no matter how much I love them, they don't really scare me very much. Um, so th- th- there are still a few, though, that can get under my skin. Uh, and so what I tried to do was I, I, I tried to think about what kinds of things upset me as a viewer, what kinds of things scared me, unnerved me, you know, uh, made me shudder a bit. Um, and then I, I, I picked what I thought were, you know, the films out of those categories or, you know, out of those themes that, that had made the most impression on me. The films that made you the man you are today. <laughs> <laughs> and who is that man? Uh, oh, I guess, <laughs> I'm Scott Dorwood. <laughs> And we have uh, Matt Sanderson. Indeed. Yeah, that's me, not him. Yeah, and me, Paul Fricker. So, Matt, how did you come up with your five? What kind of criteria did you have? Or did you just... This is where I'm going to sound rather odd being a person who writes horror scenarios and runs plenty of horror games. Um, I'm not actually a fan of scary movies, per se. Um, I like films with atmosphere. I like films with a story. If it happens they've got plenty of elements that you would consider to be a horror story, perfect. But... Again, films that are designed to shock and scare really aren't my bag. I, I'm quite the picture of the kid behind the sofa when a Dalek comes on TV. But I I don't like to be scared in that way. I'd prefer something like a con- an idea to unnerve me rather than make me jump out of my skin and run, run behind the sofa. So I've focused more on individual moments of some of those films that really did get that visceral reaction from me. Or... In some inst- other instances, again, ideas or themes within those films that I find quite unnerving. All right. So I've picked five films, in, and I've, we're kind of going to go in chronological order here. Um, I've picked the films based on if they scared me, nothing else. 
So I haven't gone for things that were intellectually stimulating or that were slightly unnerving or that were interesting concepts. I've just gone for things that if I had to walk across the garden in the dark at night would leave me kind of worried and looking over my shoulder and then probably <laughs> breaking into a run. Um, so that's my kind of criteria. And I love those kind of films. So, so you're looking for films that make you risk falling into your pond. That's it. And with that, shall I kick it off? Yes. Okay. Well, well volunteered. Um, I'm going to go back many years to when I was about six years old. And this first one, it was a scary movie for me. It was made in 1966. And, yeah, I saw it. Probably, you know, it was, well, it was less than 10 years old when I saw it. I was probably about six at the time. And uh, I think I'd come down in the evening and my brothers and sisters, who were all older than me and um, significantly older than me, were watching it. Probably not that late in the evening. Old film. Looks interesting. And there's a finger. Just a finger. And they plug it into this thing. And it grows. It grows into this monstrous kind of Frankenstein-like creature. It's only carry on screaming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that gave me oh, oh, Flying uh, tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With the wonderful Kenneth Williams. Flying tonight. It might be worth explaining the Carry On films for our international audience because oh, they, they, they're a British institution, but I don't think they're very well known outside the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, go on. You give some. Okay, well, the Carry On films were a series of comedies that were produced um, in the UK from the 1950s through to. Like, I think the last one was made in the 1980s, but that was a bit of an outlier. It was mostly 50s and 60s. Um, and they. they, they Encompass a certain type of British humour. Um, it, it's is very heavy on innuendo, sexual suggestion, um, and it's slapstick. Yes, it, it is not highbrow humour by yeah. any means. But <laughs> you know, they, there's still a lot of clever wordplay in it, and um, you know, a lot of suggestion. You know, they they're cleverly written without being clever films. Yeah, and also showing a lot of the same cast in a lot of instances. Oh yeah, the same troupe. Um, going through again and again and uh, Carry On Screaming um, featured some uh, sort of crazy um, kind of Frankenstein like Dr. Frankenstein like uh, inventor um, with his well essentially Frankenstein wasn't it kind of sent out to, to capture people and um, Oddbod from memory yes Oddbod yeah. that's right and Oddbod yeah. Junior yes because Oddbod's oh. finger gets broken off and that's how they create Oddbod Junior Um <laughs> Yes, with characters such as uh, Detective Constable Slowbottom, um, Doctor Watt, and uh, Detective Sergeant Sidney Bung. There you go. So that was my that was my first one. <laughs> um, I, as far as chronological order goes, I mean I've I've gone by the uh, the date in which they were made, not necessarily the date in which I saw, well, the, the year in which I saw them. Uh, but this I, I did see at a fairly young age. Um, the, 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 the film in question is Repulsion. Repulsion, a frightening film that takes the everyday world and distorts it, taking you inside the mind of a girl driven to insanity. Uh, 
from 1965, uh, made by Roman Polanski, uh, shot in London, uh, starring a young Catherine Deneuve, I think, wasn't it? Um, I, I should have checked that, but I think it was Catherine Deneuve. Um, as as a, a, a young woman living in a flat in London, undergoing basically a psychotic break. Um, and what, what unnerves me about this film is that it's a good example of you know, a very personal dissolution of reality. In, in this case, you know, very much through mental illness. But, you know, the, the young woman begins to uh, hallucinate, begins to see monstrous forms around her, see, start seeing things in a very paranoid and threatening way. And her world just becomes more and more nightmarish as the film goes on, leading her to do some fairly extraordinary and, and unpleasant things. Um, and in terms of, of, of atmosphere and some very shocking images, I, it's, it's an incredibly powerful film. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I saw it, I think, for the first time about 10 years ago, at a time when yeah, I, I thought horror movies had largely lost the ability to shock me. And, and yeah, I, I won't pretend to have been terrified by it, but it did leave me a bit... Uh, disorientated afterwards, uh, yeah, it, I, I felt like my reality had been undermined by watching it. I am Torgo. I take care of the place while the master is away. Right, um, again, go back to the 60s, a film that I saw, again, thanks to, I think it was thanks to Scott, uh, who has a impressive and ever-growing DVD collection, <laughs> I must admit. Um, we saw this round a friend's house with their, uh, various um, others who got together to watch. And I don't think I could have probably survived the original version. Um, the the only way to watch this film is via the lampoon of Mystery Science Theatre 3000. Um, from 1966, we have Manos, the Hands of Fate. Yeah. Really, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Matt. I don't know why I did that to you. <laughs> Trust me, it's horrific because of the, uh, the one prospect of ever having to see that film again, I say in the original version without the humorous subtext, uh, the humorous commentary. It's horrific to think that a film could be that bad. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, the, the, this this is the thing. Yeah. Every time I go onto IMDb after watching a film and see the comments, and there's always one person on there who says this was the worst movie ever. And yeah, my immediate reaction is, have you never seen Manos? <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, having looked at the bo- uh, the bottom ten list on IMDb, um, I am sorely in a masochistic vein tempted to go out and find Night Train uh, Night Train to Munda Fine because that seems to be one that comes up in the bottom list, uh, beating Manos uh, more times than any other film. I, I don't want to do that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it makes my list purely f- um, for the fact that it's such a bad film. Um, well, it does have one redeeming feature, aside from the Mystery Science Theatre 3000 um, commentary, and the character of Torgo, because you can have so much fun using him as a basis for any quirky NPC antagonist in any game that you run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, my number two um, is a TV movie from 1979. Um, so uh, I was about 12 at the time, and a big fan of Starsky and Hutch. I okay, think I know where this is going. Oh, man, yes. Yes. David Soul yeah. in Salem's Lot. <laughs> Look at 
Yeah, man, I, I have to kind of stay up late to see this. And the first part ended with uh, Danny Glick um, having died and in his coffin. And there's the old um, the old uh, grave digger. For some reason, he's, he's out you know, digging the grave in the afternoon. He's filling it in, that's right. And there's the coffin in the bottom. And he jumps down and I don't know, the coffin open up. And there's Danny Glick and he just kind of sits up. And that's the end of the, <laughs> the episode. Maybe there's a scream or something. Um, and uh, James Mason. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, the master is coming soon. All <laughs> that. Um, yeah, the whole vampire thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that one had me, had me pretty terrified for a while. Was that Toby Hooper? Who made yeah, that? oh, it was. Yes. Yeah, Toby Hooper um, directing that one. Um, yeah. Yes, to, 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 Toby Hooper, of course, who made the, the classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and I was I was in a um, news agent some years later, um, you know, with the old uh, 80s kind of video rentals thing. And um, there were these uh, lads in there, and they were looking at the, the horror movies on the shelf, and they, they were pointing to it, and they are going, oh, you've seen that? It's really terrible. And I looked to see what it was, and they were pointing at Salem's Lot. And I thought, no, that can't be true. That's like the most scary film of all time. And then I got it a few years back on DVD. And you know what? It's not the scariest movie of all time. But at the time, <laughs> it was scary. Yes. Still good, though. Yes, what scares us when we're 12 is, is a bit different. So. Yeah. yeah. But it's still plenty of entertainment in there if you like your 70s uh, schlock horror. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, my next choice is uh, also a TV movie, but this this one from 1984. Oh, synchronistic. Um, which is a, a British uh, TV movie uh, called Threads. Oh. Um, and, uh, yeah, Th- Threads is one of the most terrifying films ever made. Um, it, it was... Um, it was made and shown at a time when the tensions in the Cold War were at their, their highest. Um, Reagan and Thatcher had been in office for a few years and had been drumming up rhetoric against the Soviets. The Soviets in turn had been drumming up rhetoric against us. And there was a, a real feeling at the time that the nuclear war was a genuine possibility. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to think that now, uh, but the, you know, the, there was a time when you know, we, we did have this spectre um of annihilation just hanging over us as a daily thing um and threads really tapped into that it tells the story of a nuclear strike on the uk and in particular it uses sheffield as the setting um and it it shows the the immediate effects of the bombs going off it shows the destruction the fire the death but then what it does is it shows life going on afterwards, or at least some mockery of life. People going through radiation poisoning, poisoning starvation, uh, the, the struggle for shelter, and just the, this, this ongoing descent into, uh, into barbarism and, and death and pain. Uh, and it, I, I think anyone who saw that at the time was was shaped by the experience um you know so, certainly for people of our generation oh sorry i'm looking at paul not matt um <laughs> yes daddy who, who were perhaps teenagers at the time then yeah that that, that was that was a profound mm. profound effect the most widespread danger is fallout 
are quite good. Attack warning, Fred. Attack warning. Is it for real? Attack warning's for bloody real. Is it? You can't just do a face like that. I've got your titty signs. Oh, I'm completing a hat trick here. Um, this is one thing I found on IMDb when looking up the date that this was made. According to IMDb, anyway, he started off as a TV film. Hmm. And it kick-started the career of a director that's known worldwide. Um, a very successful director, but one that hasn't necessarily... Uh, Scott's nodding already, he's probably tweaked. Um, but one that didn't come to critical acclaim until probably within the last 20 years or so. Um, Steven Spielberg's first outing in Duel, mm. uh, based on the Richard Matheson story. Um, the thing that strikes me here is that it starts off with a relatively, what I would consider to be insignificant slight, in that you have a man basically just overtakes a truck going down a road that's moving a little bit slower than he would like. And it turns into a vicious war of nerves between the two of them that ultimately culminates in, in the death of one of those drivers. And it's that says so take something that's relatively insignificant and then turn it into how man can overreact and the, the man or the inhumanity that one can cast to his fellow man for something so so slight and so small. Also, given the fact that outside of gaming, I work in the motor, in motor industry as well. Probably doesn't um, doesn't help on that front. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw Duel when I was quite young. I, I remember seeing it on television in the early seventies. Um, and yes, I, I, in fact, I don't think I've seen it since then. But I, yeah, yeah thinking think about it, I, yeah, I, I, that did terrify me at the time. Um, I, 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 the thing that that stuck with me was the fact that, if I remember correctly, you never actually see mm-hmm. the driver of the lorry. Correct. Um, you know, it, it, the, the the lorry is is almost this autonomous entity in the film. It's it's uh, is this monster with eighteen wheels and and no human face to it, which makes it all the scarier. Yeah. Um, following the similar line of films that follow in the same vein of that, um, the car while it's not um, particularly scary at all again it is you never see the driver of that although if you count the face of the uh, face of the devil in a fireball at the end as being the face of the driver again similar that it takes a what's what i'm looking for um it takes in in an inanimate object and personifies it to the fact where it becomes the antagonist yes Hmm. round three all right well we're on to my third film um all my films, I'd say, are fairly popular choices, really. They're all kind of um, regular run-of-the-mill films. They just happen to have um, got, uh, you know, I guess I saw them at the right time, and uh, they, they kind of had their effect on me. This one um, was a, was an X certificate, and that's a proper certificate. <laughs> You're showing your age there, Paul. Yeah. And my age was... Under 18. Um, Naughty boy. Well, the first X I went to see was um, a double bill, showing my age again, a double bill of uh, Mad Max 1 and 2 when I was 15. Yes. Um, And myself and a few um, friends from the the, um, Dungeons & Dragons group um, went down and uh, into the local cinema. There was no question we were, you know, just just allowed in. That was fine. Um, And um, that was great. But then... We went to see a couple of films, and yet another double bill, one and two, 
But then it was about a mile walk back to my house afterwards through the dark and um, a long gravel drive with a dog barking and uh, I've got sneaking through the old back room which is all dark again and not wake my parents up and everything. After watching Friday the 13th, parts <laughs> one and two. Oh hi, what are you doing out in this mess? One. Two. Three. And for bloody ages, I was checking under my bed, and <laughs> you know that really got me. It's, uh, so, one of the things I like about um, films and stories is that kind of unexpected thing and, and maybe everybody else kind of yeah saw it coming um but that lovely twist at the end of the first one where you know it's revealed that um yeah it was the mother all along oh that's that's all good thanks for spoiling and, it for those of us that haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> come on matt it was like early 80s it's, it's older than you are matt oh. i think <laughs> spoiler free on things made in the last 10 years but beyond that, you know. Yeah, but we'll put some warnings in the show notes, but it's too late for that, so sorry. <laughs> it's too late for that. But man, that when when the, the thing comes up out of the lake, that's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Jason pops up right at the end. And I watched it again um, last year, I think. And uh, it stands up pretty well, actually, the first one. It's really? quite, a, quite a good watch, I thought. I haven't seen the second one again. I mean, then, then it kind of gets into the, you know, the more kind of gory, um, effects with the head in the fridge and the and the, the spike in the forehead and, and so on. Yeah, um, but I, I think uh, you know, like like a lot of the the horror franchises of the eighties, it degenerated into self parody pretty quickly. Okay, on to you, Scott. Okay, uh, another one from the eighties. This isn't a horror film, but it's still one of the most horrific and upsetting films I've ever seen. Um, it's a Russian film uh, called oh. Come and See. Oh, okay. Um, it, it the, the 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 film is about uh, the German invasion of Belarus in the Second World War, and it follows a a young man, a teenager, um, who uh, volunteers despite the fact that he's underage to become part of the army and defend against the invasion, with the idea of protecting the village uh, that he comes from. And yeah, it, it, it starts out um, with, with an almost childish innocence. And as the film goes on, it is a descent into hell. Um, the uh, I, I, I don't want to spoil too much in case you see it, but there are some absolutely shocking moments. And the first one being when he returns to the village and uh, encounters what the Germans did. Um, but but from there on, you know, he, he connects with a, a young woman who's also, uh, or a teenage girl, uh, who has also signed on. Uh, and the, the two of them together are just systematically, psychologically destroyed in the film. And you can see them, you know, by, by the end of it, you can see they, they've aged the actors with makeup and they've got this thousand yard stare in their eyes. And the last 20 minutes of the film is... You know, they're then caught up in um, the, uh, the, 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 the German soldiers just harrowing this one village, uh, murdering the people in there and just and a, a scene of pure debauchery and sadism. And you know, that, that, that's that's the theme that, that really 
yeah, it resonated with me there. There aren't too many things that that genuinely upset me, but one of them is sadism, um, or at least you know human cruelty. Yeah, and mm. and few films for me have portrayed that quite as well as as Come and See. <laughs> Number three on my list, um, again within the 80s, uh, definitely not a horror film by any means, but a film that when I first saw it, I didn't really like it at all, but I had to go back and watch it on subsequent viewings to appreciate its, um, to appreciate its impact. And it's in particular, again, this is where we go for films in the last 10 years, we're not going to worry about spoilers, so we can just talk about the last scene. Um, where our beloved hero believes that he's escaped from the um, the horrifying institution that's grinding him down, that he's finally escaped into the outside world. He's got away with the woman he loves, only to find that he is, in fact, trapped in his own delusion. Um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil from 1985. Oh, yes. Um, again, it's, again, man's inhumanity to fellow man, but rather than through acts of violence, just acts of control. Um the methods by which we, um, it chooses to govern itself and the, the restrictions it puts on one another and the conformity by any means possible. And the fact that what you perceive might not be in the end might just be a work of your imagination and your own delusion. Jack? Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning that when uh, Brazil got its initial theatrical release in the US, they trimmed the ending so that really? yeah, so that revealed that you know he is in fact still sitting in the torturer's chair, broken and, oh. and lost in his own dream world. That's gone. So you've got that complete fantasy happy ending, and that's where it ends. No but, but apparently Terry Gilliam was so pissed off about this that he took out a full page ad in Variety, just lambasting the studio. How can you not that? have that final bit where they look at him and say he's got away from us? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, he, he, I, I don't think it was until comparatively recently that that was released on, on video or DVD in the US. Oh, yeah. well, uh, that, that reminds me, maybe not, not film version, admittedly, um, that they again a similar reaction with American audiences that Ian Rankin had to write an additional, like a coder onto one of his novels that is in one of the Rebus books. Um, he left it on a somewhat unresolved note that he was going in. To, I think it's he was going in to see a minister or something. Um, and the ranking in the UK release just ended the book there. They said, no, Americans want a more resolved ending. We want to have something concrete that we can uh, basically tell them what happened. And so he had to tack on this ending to it. Yeah, I think so. that's less to do with what Americans want and more with what you know, publishers and studios think uh, the American mm. audiences want. Yeah, this is just the same, just sprung to mind, admittedly. Yeah. Mm. All right, my uh, 5432, my number two. A film from 1997, a science fiction film this time, um, starring a pretty good cast, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, um, uh, yes. directed by Paul Anderson, um, of Resident Evil fame. We have Event Horizon. Um, the crew um, of the, the spaceship head out into space 
I think they've had a message um, which they are, and then this is a, the common theme in a lot of um, films, horror films, I think, where they get a piece of text or dialogue that they're going to translate. It's usually in Latin, and they translate it, and it's quite benign, and it seems to give them information. And then later on, they go, we translated it wrong. Because <laughs> I think to start off with, they've got this, this clip, and they, they keep playing with it and trying to clean up the sound. And it's it's saying save us, and they're, 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 the guy is is speaking Latin, and it's something that disturbs me is kind of distorted sounds and strange um, recordings of, of dialogue. Um, that 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 has an unnerving effect, and the Latin they translated as save us, and later on it becomes no, we've got it wrong. I think I made a mistake in the translation. I thought it said liberate me, save me, but it's not me, it's liberate tute me, save yourself, and it gets worse. There, I think that says X in fairies. Save yourself from hell. A great Lovecraftian concept, I think, in the film that the, the, the this this ship that that went beyond the event horizon, I guess, went into some other realm of chaos that drove the crew insane. Um, I think that the second half of the film kind of descends into kind of a slasher horror, um, but it's really is that that video clip. But, but, it's, but it's still a superior one. But, but it's still a superior slasher. I mean, it's, it, hmm. yeah, it, it, it beats the hell out of most. And again, oh, guys, it's a science fiction film. So um, a group of us went to see it. And, um, you know, I was quite happy with it being horror, but some of my friends weren't quite so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that's a good, good point, actually. If you go and see a film and you don't think it's going to be a horror film, then it's all the more shocking for it. Yes. Yeah. I remember taking my wife to see um, The Shining. Jack Nicholson thriller, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I remember as a teenager having very much the same experience with Poltergeist. I I knew I knew it was going to be you know a, a horror film of sorts, but but yeah, I, ignoring the fact that it's directed by Toby Hooper, I knew Steven Spielberg was involved, so mm-hmm. I, I thought it was going to be quite cuddly. And in a lot of respects, it is. I mean, it resolves fairly well and so on. Yeah. But but there was so much more nasty stuff in that than I was expecting. That yeah, you know, I was about fifteen or sixteen yeah, when I saw it, and I, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Scott, you're number two. Um, yeah, my my number two is uh, oh, it's it's. Well, actually, we're not we're doing it in chronological order, aren't yeah, we? Really, so we're not we're not saying yeah. these are more scary than the early ones. But. Yeah, I, the, the, this well, I mean, this is number two chronologically, but um, it, it's the one on the the list that actually scared me the most. It's it's the only horror film which has scared me in my adult life. Uh, from two thousand and two, it's uh, uh, due on the Grudge. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I've, I've seen all the Juan films, uh, but The Grudge was the first one that I saw. This is the, uh, I mean, it was remade for the US, and it was remade by the same director, um, uh, Takashi Sh- uh, Shimizu. Um, and 
pretty much shot for shot, right? Almost, yes. And and the yeah, the American remake is decent. Uh, and uh, I mean, if I'd seen that first, it might be my favourite. Just Buffy. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but you know, I, I saw the Japanese one first, so that's that's my favourite. Mm. And um, I ghost stories get me in a way that that other horror films don't tend to. Anyway, um, you know, if a horror film is going to creep me out at all, it's generally a ghost, a ghost story. But the grudge went beyond that. I part of it was just the the unnerving imagery, the the mother and the the young son, and the the really uncanny way they looked. Part of it was the fact that they they cropped up in you know strange ways. Either that scene with the ghost crawling up under the blankets mm. uh, when someone's lying in bed, you know, it's, it's it's preying on that fear that you know you're scared, you hide under the blankets, but no, you're not even safe there. Uh, and just the shot of the the, the mother and the child standing at, you know, at either ends of the bed afterwards and with, with the corpse lying in there um, but yeah you know, it, it's it's more than that I mean, the what, what what I think the grudge does well is it it represents the arbitrariness of death um, the, 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 the the suddenness the senselessness of it um, I mean, you know, if if any of you have ever had friends who've, who've died in violent ways, you know, road accidents or or any, you know, it's just that feeling that you know, suddenly someone's there one day, the next, you know, they're gone, um, and for for no apparent reason, uh, you know, it just happens, death happens, and and Juan sort of taps into that is the idea that there are these entities these ghosts out there that are angry about their deaths about the injustice that they had and that you know if if your path just crosses theirs despite the fact that your story is unrelated to theirs they just lock onto you they infect you like a disease and that's it from the moment they see you you're, you're as good as dead film if i recall correctly that it doesn't really center it doesn't follow a person's story does it It follows the story of the house yes and and different people come and go it's kind of a weird narrative to to you know um to to us and and that's that 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 i think is also one of the things that makes it unsettling the fact that it isn't a predictable Mm. direct narrative the fact that it is so arbitrary Mm. um that yeah I, i find it I, 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 you know, still quite a, a shocking, unnerving film for that reason. Right, number four for my list. Again, still stuck within the 80s, admittedly. Um, this is a film that I saw when I was fairly young. Um, and admittedly, I had to turn it off because I was that worried. Um, <laughs> That's the sign of a good scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that Although, was... Can I just say, mm-hmm. when I did get scared in films, I never wanted to stop watching because I always felt I was going to get some cool kind of closure or <laughs> if, if I stopped it halfway that was the worst thing I had to kind of keep going to the end yeah oh, but, but, I had to find my way out when I was a teenager I, I, yeah I, I, particularly if I saw a film in the cinema that wouldn't be an option so mm. you know the, 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 the tricks I used when I was young was you know either looking away or the, the one that the, the, that sort of embarrasses me is the fact that I sit there and unfocus my eyes 
<laughs> so, so yeah, I, I was sort of vaguely aware of what was going on, but I wouldn't really see the bad thing in its true horror. <laughs> How do you unfocus your eyes when you just cross them? Yeah. Kind of... Yes. That's weird. <laughs> well, well, no. um, sim- similar to number five on my list, that, that one I survived maybe the first two minutes before I turned it off, and it then took me the best part of ten years to go back to it. But this, this one, I saw more of it. Um, partly because of the bleak surroundings in which it's set, um, just the atmosphere, the music, but more specifically, the fate of the characters involved. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yes. The fact that it has some pretty gruesome body horror mm. in that film is is one thing. I mean, that's one that was the thing that actually um, turned me off it for quite some time. But it's then going back to it later and realising that you have these towards the end of the film, the characters that realise we're not going to get out of here alive. We've just got to finish the job and make sure this thing doesn't walk off the ice as well. It's that grim determination of they know they're already dead. They know it's just a case of how long they've got to wait before they freeze to death, burn to death, or it kills them. It's, again, that's just, well, what what would I do in that kind of situation? I mean, that's a Lovecraft. That's a Call of Cthulhu uh, scenario mm. right there. Indeed. Exactly. And Clark was human, huh? Which makes you a murderer, don't it? Palmer now. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. Yeah, but it's it's based on a very powerful novella. Uh, Who called, goes there? Yeah, yeah John W. Gamble, mm-hmm. um, which is very similar to to the thing in a lot of ways, but it's got a much larger cast of characters. Um, and yeah, I, it, it's, it, it was an interesting development that you know they, they, there was that film made in the 1950s by. Was it no? Was it John? No, it wasn't John Ford. Um, but the, the the thing from another world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, the, the thing from another world. Uh, yeah, I mean, is a, a classic of its time. But I think it's actually a fairly poor film. And part of it. Well, making is, a vampire carrot was definitely not a good, uh, <laughs> yeah, good choice. Great, but, yeah. but 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 yeah, it's bizarre that it was based on uh, Who Goes There, but really had nothing uh, to do with it apart from the fact that there's an alien and it's uh, an Antarctic base. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was very canny of John Carpenter to realise that the, you know, the, this story hadn't really been filmed and to go back and mm. actually you know go back to the source material and do something that was really based on it because that that was a far more powerful concept than the the original adaptation. And always. I mean, the production of it is fantastic. I, mean, it, I remember watching it, I think, on TV in the last. 80s and it was just kind of jaw-dropping the special effect it's like how the hell they do i've never seen anything like this before this was, well, it was groundbreaking for its time yeah mm. yeah, oh, yeah. Kind of animatronics thing was yeah it? the practical effects in that are fantastic yeah yeah, yeah just wonderful mm-hmm. okay are we down to my last one last round on? round five yeah. okay well my most recent film still doesn't quite get into this century <laughs> um there was a huge, um, you know, deal made about this film at the time. Um, relatively low-budget film, made it really big, started off a whole mega wave of films. Some people loved it, some people hated it. I went with a friend to the cinema to see it, came out, 
I was blown away with it. He thought it was a pile of crap. Very sensible man. <laughs> I <laughs> think I've twigged. Yeah. twigged. It's the Blair Witch yes. Project. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I can remember uh, going on holding my parents to Wales, and if, as if that isn't horror enough. <laughs> um, following, um, as a kid, following this bunch of what were probably just students, but I thought, you know, they're grown-ups. So I was about I don't know, 11, 10, 11. And I followed them over the Welsh hills and they've got hand gliders. So, um, you know, I left my parents in the car and got talking to these people and wandered off with them over the Welsh hills. And then um, we kind of got to this, this uh, top of this, this um, hill or cliff or whatever. And they all jumped off. And then I was on my own. I'll just walk back to my parents. And um, probably an hour and a half of sweaty running at full speed around the hills in circles, not being able to find my way. I think that was when, I dawned, when it dawned on me that I have no sense of direction. <laughs> um, so if I'd have been in those woods with the guys in the Blair Witch Pro- Project, yeah, that would have been me. I wouldn't have known which way to turn. And people said, well, wasn't it stupid that that guy threw the, the map into the creek? No, well, it was stupid, but it was entirely credible because hmm. people do stupid things. You know, you get frustrated and it's like, well, sod the map. We don't need the map. We just throw it into the creek. Yeah. One of you has got to have the map. No, I don't have the map. We gave it back to you after map check yesterday. You've always had the map. I know, and I've always had the map in the same place. And if it's not there, one of you had to have taken it. I'm, I'm not going into your fucking pants to get your goddamn map, man. I just checked my pocket. It's not in my pants. Look, would I go in and get your map? All I want to do is get out of here, man. I'm not fucking around. That's all I want to, man. Let's go. No, you want to stay here. You want to film rocks. You want to look around. You want to fucking, like, go. get this. You want to get that. Which way are we walking? That way. Dude, we're in the middle of the fucking woods. But more than that, it was the, um, it was the kind of build-up of the story and the kind of strange, inexplicable things they found in the woods... Um, I think one needs to see it at the cinema in silence just watching it yourself and it doesn't really bother me that I can't necessarily relate to the characters I can kind of relate to them in the way that that could be me I could be one of them I'd do stupid things too Um, Mm. and the, the, the way it's kind of broken up, you know, by the use of the, the found footage film. And towards the end, you know, they're, they're out there in the dark and they've, they've lost some of their companions. Just strange, inexplicable things happen. So uh, is it Josh goes off into the woods and then he's missing. Where did he go? Well, we don't know. And then it cuts and the last scene, there's, there's, the, there's a house and they come across this old abandoned house in the middle of the woods it's something that could i can completely imagine being there coming across this house middle of the woods well we don't know should we go in there and then there's just the chaos and that final scene um yeah. the character in the corner and everything um yeah i mean that that seemed very lovecraftian to me um the kind of isolation um the, the really no explanation of what's going on um the kind of ultimate doom of all the characters um, yeah, I loved it. I, 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 there are elements in the film that I like. I, I love the payoff. I think the ending is one of the best endings I've seen in a horror film. 
Um, I, yeah, like you say, the, the random, uh, yeah, unexplained things, the imagery in it and so on work for me. But the, the, the reasons I don't like it, uh, yeah, I, I found it a, a badly paced and largely uneventful film. Um, yeah, yeah I, I felt it was too drawn out that it needed more happening in it. Uh, and I found myself getting quite bored in places. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing is I, I found it oddly lacking in tension. And yeah, I was sitting there, trying to work it out and it, it hit me about three quarters of the way through which was because of the nature of the found footage format um there was no incidental music in the film um and you know they they, they certainly adds a degree of of uh, realism to it mm. but at the same time it, it it really underlined for me how much effect um, musical scores have in building and releasing tension in horror films. And, you know, the, the lack of it, I found, you know, it, it did underscore my ability to get emotionally involved in the film. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I can certainly see that they, they can bring a lot to a film, but I didn't, it, it wasn't noticeable by its absence to me. Mm. Um, yeah, the thing I can think of, I definitely agree that it's a film that would have a greater impact depending on how you watch it. Um, the first time I saw it was actually I was um, the VHS stuck in a player the, um, that was then showing on the screens on a bus on a bus was part of a coach <laughs> wow. tour. Um, so again, it was just completely um, devoid of atmosphere around me. Yeah. But then again, what set on a similar vein, watching the first Paranormal Activity film in a house that was deserted in the middle of the night because I um, couldn't sleep. How was that for you? Um, remember I said I don't like films that scare me too much <laughs> that was another one that was nearly on my list mm-hmm. pretty much the same reasons as Blair Witch I found it really dull I think it's, it's the subtlety that gets me but yeah it's, the, it's just it's the I think it's because I can imagine I can get totally caught up in it and I can totally imagining being the people in the film mm. um, and the fact that not much is happening I don't know. I find that more engaging than some films a lot of action in. I just get totally drawn up. In it. Yeah, I mean, it, it did at times create a feeling of dread and anticipation, but I, 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 I wanted it to deliver on that more. And you know, you know, I, I, even though I'm, I, you know, a complete skeptic by nature, and I don't believe in. Uh, in ghosts at all i did live in a house once where lots of weird stuff along that along those lines did happen and even then you know paranormal activity did not connect with me on any level and also i did have the worst night terrors i've ever experienced well actually the only night terror i've ever experienced after watching that film are you sure it was night terrors yeah well who knows (laughs) you do live in an old farmhouse or farm cottage so it was actually mike's place Either either, either I was asleep and Mike came in and and stood on my chest, or it was night terrors, or it was something supernatural. Who can say? Does Mike have an alibi? (laughs) (laughs) On to your last film, Scott. And Uh, you can't stick a dozen in here. We want one. (laughs) Get it down. So my my last film is from 2008. Um, and it's a French film. I mean, France produced a lot of good, strong horror films oh, in, sure in, the, in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, some of the visceral, nastiest, uh, most visceral, nastiest experiences I've had in films have been, you know, French films of, of the last decade. But there's one in particular that stands out for me, and, and that's Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Revenue, Marie Belfond. Oh, c'est dimanche quand même. Et alors 
Repose quoi le dimanche Hein Ta semaine à l'usine Martyrs is... Martyrs, okay, is this one we're not going to give a spoiler to it yet? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about the contents of Martyrs, I believe, because I, Martyrs is a strange film. Uh, it is never quite what you think it's going to be. It's, it's full of surprises and unexpected turns. I went into it knowing nothing apart from the fact that it was supposed to be pretty gruesome. And um, I was off balance the whole way through it. I, I did not know what was going to happen. I, I, I love being surprised by films. It's, it's a rare occurrence. And, and yes, the unpredictability of Martyrs led to, you know, certainly a lot more tension in it than, than might otherwise have been there. But it's not just that. I, it, um, I, I, I remember reading that the Martyrs was was created as as a response to the hostile films and sort of mm. you know that that that's you know that's not scary if you want to see you know a scary film that involves torture you know, here, here's my take on it. And well, the violence in Martyrs is is almost kind of saturating by design. It's kind mm. of it's there, and, and after a while you kind of think, is this going to go on much longer? And it does. And it does, yeah. and then it does some more, but. There's a reason for it. Yeah, it, it, the, the the violence in it, you know, becomes quite transcendental, um, and I mean the, the the things that you know, apart from the violence and you know the unpredictability that make martyrs, you know, uh, such a disturbing film for me. I mean, part of it is again that that idea of cruelty and sadism, but um, but again, without giving too much away, that that turns out not to be quite the case. Um, but it is a very good example of what happens when someone is driven by ideology uh, to do mm. horrible things. Um, and and yeah, that, that that is a you know one of the aspects of, of human nature that disturbs me the most. I think most people are going to agree this is a hard watch. Yes, you know, I mean, martyrs you know, will alienate a lot of people who watch it. You know, mainly because of the violence. Um, and yeah, the, the the last half hour of that film is is grueling. The last few minutes, right? Yes. I must admit, I haven't seen it, so this is definitely going one to go on my watch list now. You somewhat sold me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, from a gaming point of view, uh, as as a film, it is pure unknown armies. Oh, yeah, you've sold it even more to yeah. me. That's fine. <laughs> right, my last one as. Um, led up to earlier this is a film where when i first saw it again very late night when i was only yay high um decided to watch it just, just as one of those films that say, i can go into school and say oh i saw this last night you know that was a bad choice you the man yeah you know i, I saw i think it was probably the first minute and then i had to turn it off and go to bed because i just couldn't <laughs> couldn't take it um it was carry on screaming wasn't it? <laughs> and we've come full circle but now, um no this um to put a bit of pretext on here, one of my big personal fears is I am absolutely terrified of needles and have sharp, acute pain, or just pain in general. I'm, I'm such a wuss, it's unbelievable. Um, but this this one, it was moments of very pointed, sharp pain that was the one thing that really turned me off. It, it starts with a fairly, not in media res, but definitely very thrust into the action already 
film. You've got a man who's on a quest. He he is literally confronted with this is the culmination of his journey. This is what he wants. And he gets what he wants as he opens a particular puzzle box and immediately gets ripped apart by uh, by chains and hooks. And yes, uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Scott, I've got Scott was nodding a long time before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have such sights to show you. Yeah, it's but it's it's the visceral body horror again that gets me, particularly with my aversion to anything like needle or sharp or anything like that. But also when it attacks the question of what is an angel, that if we have a conception that oh everything in the great beyond is fine, it would be lovely, harmonious. No, what if it's not? What if it is a cenobite that's waiting for you? What if is this horrible? inferno-esque realm of pain that's waiting for you for the pleasure and gratification of some being other well i i, th- I think it's worse than that um you know hellraiser isn't necessarily though, though you know some of the the later films in the series differ on this it isn't about you know punishment or um or pain inflicted on people what it's what it's about is sensation you know, yeah that, that's right it, 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 the 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 cenobites in it are, are sybarites they're you know they're, they're in search of new sensation mm-hmm. you know for them you know pain is a, is a form of pleasure yeah, um, sweet suffering quote-unquote that, that's right and that's what they, they you know that, that's one of the things that makes them horrifying what they're trying to share with people they see is a gift mm-hmm. um and you know they, they, they're um, you know, they're bringing you into the fold. They're making you understand what they see in this transcendental, beautiful pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's 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 worth pointing out that that Clive Barker's original title for the screenplay was Sadomasochists from Beyond, <laughs> whereas whereas the novel of the Hellbound Heart, yes. I think, is much better title. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to see that again. I wouldn't recommend going beyond the second film. The second film is a wonderful piece of imagery, just with Leviathan, I think, is a, an image that I'd love to capture in scenarios. But no, don't don't bother with the third and fourth and fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, twentieth, twenty-first, etc. There was one of the later ones that I actually quite liked, and I can't remember which one. It was either six or seven. Um, even though the yeah, it had no business really being a Hellraiser film, uh, if I remember correctly, it was made by a, a couple of fundamentalist Christians. They wanted to give a Christian spin on it, um, and and turned it much more into a story of of temptation and and damnation. Hmm. Um, and um, you know, though though it you know it, it was a poor Hellraiser film, I found found it actually you know quite a well made piece of cinema. Hmm. I might have to go and I might have to go and hunt that one down, but the third one just left oh, me yeah. so so cold and dead. No. Okay. Well, that was our. Um, should we just run over our the five we got on our list? Mm. I had Carol Screaming, Salem's Lot, Friday the Thirteenth, Event Horizon, and the Blair Witch Project. I had Repulsion, Threads, Come and See, Jew on the Grudge, and Martyrs. I had. This is the only time this film will ever reach the top of any list. Manos, The Hands of Fate, <laughs> Duel, Brazil, The Thing, and Hellraiser. So we'll, we'll put some entries in the show notes with uh, links to the IMDb pages for this, uh, for, for these various films. Um, and yes, happy viewing. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.